0: Honestly, I, I, part of why I agreed to join on is I don't think it should only be, you know, um, people of color that say studying race is important.
1: You're listening to The Race Course, a podcast from Duke Magazine, where we followed University 101, The Invention and Consequences of Race, a new university course designed and taught at Duke as part of its efforts towards anti-racism. In the first episodes, we heard the course struggle a bit with technology, but still find a way to drop some serious knowledge. Like, for example, that race is not biological, and is in fact entirely invented. And saw how that landed. Surprisingly enough, the race is like a non-biological factor. which just hit me, at the, and they hit us with that week one, and it just has been blowing my mind since. I actually shared that with like my family members. It's not shocking that students found some of the material of the course astonishing the students took the course as a way to start their education in one of the most complex and vexing problems Americans face. They understood there was a lot to learn, but their professors, who either studied issues of race or recognized their importance, had their own often surprising stories about how they became aware that race needed studying. Kerry Haney, Duke Professor of African and African-American Studies and Professor and Chair of Political Science, is one of the four co-convening professors who created the course.
2: You know, I first found out about Tulsa probably sometime in in graduate school.
1: I'm going to let that statement sit for a second. Kerry Haney a tenured professor who has co-chaired Duke's Center for the Study of Race, Ethnicity, and Gender in the Social Sciences, who helped establish the Duke Council on Race and Ethnicity, did not learn about the Tulsa Race Massacre of 1921 until graduate school. That's Tulsa. A young black man may have tripped as he entered an elevator and, steadying himself, touched a young white woman. Screams, police, arrest mobs gathered both to attempt lynching and to defend against it shots led to a dozen deaths as a result the white population rioted in the black district destroying 35 city blocks more than a thousand homes injuring more than 800 people at least 37 people died most black though subsequent investigations suggest at least 150 people died often called the worst racist massacre in american history Haney didn't learn about it until graduate school.
2: I, I think I was, I, I recall being in a lecture by John Hope Franklin. I was at UNC Chapel Hill as a PhD student, and Dr. Franklin gave a talk over in the History Department and made reference to the Tulsa event, given, he you know, he's from Oklahoma, he was born and raised in Oklahoma, and made some reference to that, and I, and I began to look up that. Uh, But it was, uh, you know, something, uh, a major event in American history that had not encountered uh, either in high school or college and had, uh, you know, several history uh, courses uh, and and never encountered that.
1: It's the sort of thing that will focus your studies. And of course, we have race massacres right here in North Carolina that Haney wasn't taught about.
2: It was eye-opening and then, you know, learning about Wilmington, right? So I grew up in North Carolina, right? Didn't know about Wilmington until graduate school, so that's not taught. Uh, may, I don't know today, but when I was coming through, it was not taught, had, you know, North Carolina history was required. But uh, the race, the coup in Wilmington is what it was, uh, was not in the North Carolina history courses that I took or the U.S. history courses that I took. Uh, and so now, knowing about Wilmington and Tulsa and the others,
1: The Wilmington Coup and the Tulsa Race Massacre are two of the most profound racist events in American history, and until very recently, they haven't been discussed by mainstream culture, much less taught. And now, as people learn more about these events and teachers try to weave the stories into the history curriculum, many push back against teaching them.
2: They talk about that, some will call that critical race theory, right? But it's just telling the history as we know it to have happened. And then think about One
1: more case, step though. down the long road to this course. The experience of rising awareness to the incompleteness of American education on the topic of race has been part of every one of the professor's journeys. Amy Kwan, associate professor in the Department of Asian and Middle Eastern Studies with many co-appointments, actually didn't learn about Tulsa until she was out of graduate school.
3: And so it's really been uh, eye-opening for me. I mean, I grew up in the, uh, in the South myself, but I just... You know, I didn't learn a lot of this, unfortunately, even though we're at the epicenter of these racial tensions, right? Um, And it's not an accident that we weren't taught these histories, right? The kind of crisis we're having over so-called critical race theory, which, you know, um, the detractors simply can't even define, and we had an amazing session on it that clarified it for our students, what is going on on this national scale. Um, it's no accident. People don't want to teach this history because it is a history, you know, of such violence and shame. Um, but we need to learn from that. It's, the solution is not to just, you know, put a blanket on it and pretend it never happened.
1: Kwan has less background in American racial issues than Haney. But what she's brought to the class helps remind students that despite the exigency of current anti-black racism in the United States... Even that fits into a larger context.
3: Well, I'm not a scholar of race and, um, you know, race studies in the U.S., actually. I work in global uh, empire, and so my work on race comes from that history of colonialism. I've been very excited uh, to be part of this conversation. I'm I'm just honored. But I think um, maybe if we can continue to have this class at a semester-by-semester basis, I think there's an opportunity to really you know, expand on the curriculum, maybe do more in the humanities, um, which is my own, you know, area, um, and uh, bring in more historians, um, and then maybe a sort of a global approach that includes um, colonialism and how slavery, the transatlantic, you know, slavery and all of that is interconnected.
1: And like the students, Kwan has found herself challenged and drawn in new directions by the course.
3: Uh, I actually started doing my own research uh, in this direction. So um, I'm working on a piece uh, that really puts together uh, the colonial context of Korea-Japan in conversation with the segregation of Jim Crow. And so uh, obviously the relationship between the colonizer and colonized Korea-Japan, you know, you know, typically you're the same uh, versus the black and white divide in uh, Jim Crow South are quite distinct. But there are all of these ways that racism and segregation and devaluation of human beings are justified, right, um, that are very similar, the tactics that are used, Uh Uh, So I think it's important to put these conversations, uh, these contexts into conversations, because oftentimes we study histories by nation to nation to nation. Uh, But, you know, there's a lot of interconnections.
1: Charmaine Royal, professor of African and African-American studies, biology, global health, and family medicine and community health, has a broad background in teaching about race. Her Race, Genomics, and Society is one of Duke's most popular courses she remembers the first group she taught it to.
4: The students in that course are like, Dr. Roy, you've got to make this into a lecture course. Everybody's got to take this course. And they would not stop. And they're like...
1: That class grew from a small discussion-based class to a lecture. But despite the enthusiasm of so many students, when she came to this new University 101 class, she brought a surprising perspective.
4: I'm generally not a mandatory kind of person. Um, My feeling is particularly about this particular topic. I mean, the training, the mandatory trainings, I'm definitely a no-no for that, like like we were talking about That is, she
1: sees, and her colleagues mostly agree, that the tide of workplace trainings about racial sensitivity do little good and may do harm. They're just another thing employees feel forced to sit through. She fears the same if a course like this one is made mandatory for students.
4: You don't want to do that because they become resentful and you will actually end up getting the opposite effect or the opposite outcome from what you do. Mind you, that
1: doesn't mean she lets Duke off the hook for making sure its students learn about a deeply important topic.
4: I think in some ways we, as an academic institution, have a responsibility to ensure that the students who come through duke learn about race because race and racism are so much a part of not just american society it's a global thing and they need to understand that um and so and if not here they may not learn it anywhere else if if not through a course like this
1: but she'd lure them in rather than force them
4: if if it's not mandatory I think there are ways to entice students to take it, that we could still get people taking it, even if we don't make it mandatory. Because if it's so, I think if we get to the point where this course is so fabulous, then we don't have to worry about it being mandatory. Because, and especially with what's going on in our world, our students are are getting more interested and more engaged in the topic and wanting to know more and wanting to do more I think we could get their involvement and their participation without making it mandatory. You know, over their four years. Of course, you know, it's not gonna be mandatory where every student takes it one in one semester. We'll never be able to do that. But if it's if we do our if we do it well, really well, I think we'll be we'll have to be curbing the numbers in terms of students who will be interested in taking the course.
1: Of the four co-convening professors in the course, Don Taylor, professor of public policy, came from the furthest academic distance.
0: Um, I, I suspect I'm, of the four faculty this time, probably the least likely one to be involved in this course. Professor Haney and Professor Royal and, for example, you know, race has been a long part of their scholarship and I'm more of a new arrival at that, but I have been teaching a class in the Sanford School, our, our practical ethics course, that over time I have added more and more, you know, teaching about race that, you know, is part of what has was dri- driven my interest. And honestly, also, I, I knew that there was some, uh, you know, I direct the Social Science Research Institute and um, we have a new, um, the new Bass Connections theme in SSRI is called Race and Society that Tyson Brown is going to be directing. So, you know, normalizing this discussion of race in an academic way is very important, I think. And so, um, honestly, I, I part of why I agreed to join on is I don't think it should only be You know, um, people of color that say studying race is important—that's
1: a strong statement, but it may be the most powerfully in line with the university's position on bringing anti-racism into the curriculum. Though he agrees with Professor Haney,
0: we also were trying to just say this is important and this is not a fringe topic. This is a fundamental topic, Um, and. I was very much agreed that what we need to do is bring our scholarship to this topic. But like, I'm actually not fully sure what anti-racism means. It's just that language was adopted so rapidly at the highest levels of Duke that I think um, in, in talking with scholars of race, meaning people that have been studying this for their entire career, um i'm I'm not sure that's the most um useful framing but um and so my point there is at least in my mind this is this class is i mean if it has an effect of reducing racism i'm glad for that but you know teaching people about race it could make it worse right i mean i'm not saying it's going to but i mean if, if you're bringing academic scholarship Um, you can have fealty to the scholarship, but you can't control what people are going to think about it.
1: That let the chips fall where they may attitude is part of the honesty he brought to the course. As the professor who has done the least research into race, Taylor comfortably did not teach a class period during the course. If necessary, he was ready, but even that would have been very different than the research-based classes all other presenters taught.
0: I have been on on emergency backup, like if somebody got sick, I've got something that is a, I'm going to call it more of a confessional perspective, and the reason I did that is because I just don't consider myself an expert in the study of race, and I am writing a book that's really a memoir of race, and so I can be expert. And how I personally learned and how I feel about race. But I we just, well, I just didn't think, I, I, I'm just not the best person. We just needed another professor. And, and honestly, I, I think having a white guy, we sort of decided if this all went bad and people started raising hell, then I was gonna say as a white guy, this is important and this is an academic topic. We are not trying to brainwash your kids. Um, you don't need any theory um, like critical race theory. I mean, forget about theory. We, we just need a more truthful, full, complete telling of history. And, and what I tell folks is I'm not telling them what to think about it or what it means for today, but I want them to understand what has happened. And then we need to wrestle with what it means for today.
1: Above all, regardless of the specific reasons the professors had for teaching the course or the approach they chose for presenting it, Taylor sees its simple existence as a triumph.
0: So going from not having it to having it, that's a great victory. I think think we have successfully said this is an academic discourse and that's what we're keeping this as. And that's, in my mind, important because we are a university. I mean, in the end, right? I think that what we want to do is just keep making the case that we are studying this As an academic enterprise, and and Carrie is uniquely um, insistent and gifted at saying, I'm going to bring the evidence. I'm not going to tell you what to think about it, um, but I'm going to try to keep pulling you back to the evidence and let us have a, you know, a dialogue about it. And I think that's important.
1: Like his colleagues, Taylor sees ways to improve the presentation of the course shorter classes, discussion sessions. To encourage freedom of discussion, the class was taught this year as a pass-fail, and the professors aren't sure that's a good idea moving forward. But above all, Taylor recognizes that for all the faculty involvement in this course, he's aware of and grateful for the amount of faculty work that came long before it.
0: When when this got announced that we were doing it, I think there, there were some, there were a few faculty that Felt like they've been laboring in the vineyard for all these years and they weren't uh, the four up front doing it. And, and there's no doubt that they were correct about that. So um, that's why um, I, I think all of us that have been involved in starting this do not think it, this is not like this is a course that needs to be shared and given away in a leadership sense to other faculty. And also, I think there needs to be other classes that are more basic, focused on race. So, for example, a couple of folk in the Divinity School in the religion department were saying, I look at you guys' syllabus, looks great, but you're not talking about the concept of race in pre-modern history. And I was like, yeah, you're right, we're not, because I have no idea about anything about race in pre-modern history. And so, but but there's some people that do. So it will be neat to see interesting and appropriate to see different um, courses that try to take race as an important topic and bring our scholarship to investigating in that in that way. So I, I think the faculty will be up to that challenge and um, you know we'll see where that you know goes next.
1: Next on the race course.
4: Oh, 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 oh.
1: We are space
4: traders bearing exquisite gifts in trade for solving all your most pressing domestic catastrophes. We are asking for every person in your country that you would classify as black. Are you kidding?
1: No, we are not. Space traders and critical race theory. Next time on The Race Course. Quan has less background in American racial issues than Haney, but what she's brought to the class helps remind students that despite the exigency of current anti-black racism in the United States, even that fits into a larger context.